Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. Brian, back in New Zealand. Me, still in the States. Both of us tired as hell. But we got a ton of preview cards to get through, so nap time will have to wait. Can't sleep when there's preview cards, Gerald. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that point where I've, I switched time zones, but part of the New Zealand time switch is that I, I lose an entire day. Now it's the weekend here. You know, I just had a week of hard work, got a bunch of stuff done. And now I'm like, well, maybe I should just sleep literally all day. I think that's what my body needs right now. You earned it, buddy. Feels like it. Feels like I earned a nice little nap. But like I said, preview season comes first. And since it never ends, I will never actually get a nap. Uh, that's probably true, for better or for worse. Um, is there anything you want to say about all this? If you looked at any of these cards, but yeah. is there anything you want to say before we get into stuff? Because there's like battles and some returning keywords and just a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, I think I, I think I want to like do a kind of a preface on battles. I think it's just worth talking about them as a thing that exists and a new card type, which is a very momentous occasion within Magic. Has not happened in quite some time now. Um, on well, first, professional game designer, let's go. Let uh, me hear on, your thoughts. On first impression, I think battles are trying to achieve something really cool. I think they're trying to bring the game uh, you know, more towards combat, give it another permanent, another axis of interaction that matters, uh, all good things. In reality, I think I see some flaws. And here's what I'll say is that despite seeing these flaws, I think the flaws I see are obvious, which gives me a lot of hope that when I actually play with these battles, I won't have to worry about them. But at the same time, there's a very good case that what I perceive as flaws is just not something that they perceive as flaws when designing cards. First flaw, wordy, right? Two sides, again, as as is the, the way of doing things these days. Uh, very much in the vein of adventure creatures, where it used to be we talked a long time about creatures shifting to feeling more like spells because they had a spell tacked on. Now they just are spells. We saw this with uh, first adventures, then flip sagas. This is the exact same thing. You get a spell, you potentially have access to a creature. Uh, third thing that stands out is another very snowbally mechanic, in much the same way that planeswalkers can be snowbally and things like flip sagas, things like adventures can be snowbally. These feel like they're pushing in the same direction. You get ahead, you get immediate benefit from playing your battle. Then if that benefit pushes you towards achieving your battle, you get more things with which you could achieve future battles. And it's a really hard concept to kind of fully flesh out without ever having played with it. But those are just my initial impressions. I am optimistic that I may be wrong, but I, I kind of get the sense like this is another mechanic designed to push magic in a direction that I have generally not enjoyed it going. And I'm curious if you see it the same way. Uh, snowbally to some degree, but less so than planeswalkers. And maybe so, maybe so. I I think that this is maybe kind of what they're shooting for with like the OG planeswalker design. The problem was like planeswalkers just kind of like keep going. Yeah. You know, this is just like, all right, you, you spend your mana, you get a minor return immediately. And then if you're able to complete the quest in the case of planeswalker, it's keep it alive. In the case of battle, it's just kill it. 
then you get some reward, but then like, then it's done. It's not like the battle then also stays around to have you like keep doing the thing like planeswalkers do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that like, I don't know, you're saying like, Oh, you play the battle, do the thing. And like, that keeps you ahead. But like some of these are just like an investment with not a lot of return. Some are, some are. And those are the ones that I don't think will be very good, quite frankly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think it's just when you have a card that the front of the battle is a spell that you would like already play. Like for instance, the ramp one where you just end up up two lands. Like I've played that spell before. I know for a fact I've played that spell before. And the fact that you're getting additional benefit on top of that, uh, I mean, th that one's a little weird in that the, the goals are a little conflicting, but you see what I'm saying, where if you're, you're getting a whole spell, there's no actual cost here. Yeah, I agree. But I I, I haven't seen them all. And even I, I'm kind of like skimming now. It's like, oh, there's just like a lot of new stuff. So I definitely have not read all of these because I didn't check within like the last couple of days or whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the first few that I read, it was like, yeah, I mean, like this this is good. This is worth playing, certainly worth exploring. But it didn't seem like, oh, you know, like I'm casting a Ragavan that is also a battle or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like none of them are are all that great. But uh, it's, it's probably worth noting, though, that like might have said the same thing about the original Planeswalkers before they just kind sure. of like escalated and escalated and escalated, which I would expect these battles if they are a card type, which we'll just see forever, which certainly seems like they are, although. I guess tribal cards didn't really make it as a new card type, but uh, do exist out there. And it seems like they want to lean into these. So uh, it'll be interesting to see them evolve over time. Is it interesting to you that uh, they also have like subtype siege? Yep. Yeah, it is. It seems like that is a very clear indication that there will be battles that are not sieges and the types of battles you're engaging in should have different consequences. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like it is a thing that they intend to keep doing. And I don't know, it is weird to like one and done a card type, just no matter what. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a big investment to just run away from very quickly. Yeah. So I, I agree that these are probably here. We're probably going to see them and I don't, I'm going to save my, my full evaluation until I actually like read what all of them do. And dude, even now I'm like scrolling and it's all sideways and, yeah. Can't even read them right now anyway. But I have a sore neck from reading these. Yeah, I mean, they could all be fine, except there's also like one or two outliers that seem really sick. And then it's just like, well, is that a fault of battle or is it a fault of those individual cards? So in, in essence, I think that battles are fine. I think they're well and good. I think they promote good incentives, at least yep. as far as, yep. you know, trying to get people to engage in combat more often. Uh, but a lot of it does hinge on just like the individual cards themselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's why I said I, I don't want to like, while I have some concerns about the mechanic, I don't want to panic. I, I think that would be the wrong approach. I think I just have to play with these cards before I'm willing to actually give a final opinion on them. Yeah, I mean, any any card type, any mechanic, like you could certainly print a busted version of it if you wanted to. So mm -hmm. it's it's sort of up to them how how fair they they treat these things yeah and how much i think it's actually more interesting how they treat ones that are not the upper echelon of power right because with the, like the big problem with the way adventures were treated was that it just didn't matter right like almost every single adventure card eventually <laughs> saw some play because they were two cards in one 
And that's what you have to really get right here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, other than that, Convoke. I like Convoke. Yeah, uh, I do too. Also sort of plays into the battle incentives, right? It's just like, yeah, you're just like play a lot of creatures, you know? Yeah, both thematically and mechanically, I think. So that's a cool, cool ad. Uh, saw Surveil on at least a couple cards, which we we kind of knew was like evergreen, but that's cool. I like that mechanic well enough. And then I saw like Cycling on a card too, so tight. Yeah, a little cycling, a little prowess, a lot of a lot of keywords, uh, keywords that I quite like all over the place here. So, uh, and most of those have shifted to like sort of evergreen now, um, but good ones. I, I, it's always worth noting what keywords are going to feature in a set, and these are all ones I like. So, yeah. So we we do have a lot of cards. Actually, I'm going to scroll up here. How many do we have? Four million. One fifty one out of two thirty three. So we have well over half the set. It was very fast. Ah, crap. Okay, so we are going to do kind of what we did last time, which is just work our way through some of the colors as we can. And we'll do some this week, some next week. Maybe uh, we floated the idea of recording again tomorrow and then like maybe getting an early cast out next week. But certainly don't want to record early and then miss a bunch. Yeah, miss a bunch of the stuff. So if if anything, we, we would have like an early cast next week which i i think is probably just a good good idea yeah yeah we can make that happen so where i want to start is the gold cards oh interesting scrolling back down to the bottom i was all ready to start at the top but we can well listen man listen man the gold cards are the fun ones they're the exciting ones there's some badass cards and we've already talked about some of these but uh some of the new ones that have shown up over the past couple days very very cool i agree with you all right. Uh, I, I didn't like pick and choose any of these specifically to talk about. So uh, uh, we, we're just going to do them all. Or if, if there's one that you just want to skip, we'll just skip it. How about that? Okay. Yeah, nothing stands out as like, I don't, I absolutely don't want to talk about this card. There's quite a few here that I absolutely do want to talk about. So just hit what you want. I'm down. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel too. All right. So first up, uh, Zimone and Dina, uh, Sultai, BGU34, legendary creature, human dryad. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Tap, sack another creature, draw a card. You may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you control eight or more lands, repeat this process once. I think it's very easy to naysay this card, and I'm not going to because I. there's a lot of reasons. That you could say you know, no immediate impact. That is very fair. Uh, I do think you can work to get some immediate impact out of this card and let it you know get a ping in pretty quickly if you really want to i don't think you have to i think the body's just acceptable enough where you'll get by on it and then i think that second ability is actually a complete and total house that is sacrifice another creature at instant speed any removal spell you know you expect to kind of be pointed in this direction a lot of the time Uh, but were it not to be turn that creature into not only a card but a land drop as well potentially two cards in the late game so this scaling exceptionally well does not care about the type of creature so burn through whatever might tokens or whatever you're doing that is getting you fodder uh i think we know what the reach of this kind of trigger does having just played with shieldred a lot and it's certainly very different but i think there's enough going on with simone and is it dina or dina uh, good question. I, it might be Dinah. 
Yeah, I'm not sure either. But as a whole, I really, really like this effect. Now, that being said, don't have an immediate home for it, but I think this is good enough that I don't care. And it's just worth finding a home with some disposable trash creatures that you don't really care about. Uh, you know, you're drawing a card here or there, getting those pings in for life swing on every second card each turn, by the way. So if you want to draw two on your opponent's turn, not so hard to do. Very easy to add an additional draw on your turn, particularly once Zimone and Dina are ready to go. So I, I'm seeing the upside here. I think this card is going to be quite powerful, even if it lacks a home right now. Yeah, this I mean, this is the sort of thing that maybe you build a deck around. Yeah, right? and I think it's worth it. And uh card, card that I like with this card. Tyvar. Sure. Yeah, okay. Immediate uh activation on that second ability. Sounds good. Sounds real good. Yeah. Probably probably get your ramp on, uh trigger the drain two. And then Tyvar, you know, like every few turns or whatever can give you like more sacrifice fodder to play with and stuff. Yeah, or get so. an untap and just get an extra card. I mean, you can you can really go yeah, off sure. in scenarios. Yeah. No, that's good too. I didn't even really think about all that. But yeah, you could just be ramping pretty quick, I guess, if you want. Yeah. Even like, you know, once you've achieved the ramp, then you start talking about four cards a turn should you find enough fodder, which assume those four cards will probably get you there. So you can kind of go off a little bit. Yeah, just need some some good output, some good token generation, mm -hmm. probably. Sure thing. All right, uh, Zergo and Ojutai, two UR dub, four, four, legendary creature, orc dragon. <laughs> These cards are hilarious. Orc dragon. Uh, flying haste. This has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. Whenever one or more dragons you control deal combat damage to a player or battle, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them in your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library in any order you may return one of those dragons to its owner's hand. Play pattern's tough to envision with this. I mean, do you think we're bouncing this itself all that often and just like getting the four, staying hexproof, return, get a fresh card? Yeah. I mean, certainly in the late game, that's really strong. Yeah, you could. I, I think that that's probably a viable path against controlled X if it actually comes down to it. It's clunky for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe you just have like some other dragon that is attacking that has an ETB or something. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Five mana flying haste threats that gives you some return. Like obviously we've seen that before. Normally it's more of a, a thing that impacts the board immediately. You know, like a glory bringer type of thing or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, drawing some cards is not bad either. Yeah, it's a it's a look too. I mean, you're going, you're going three deep. That's a big deal. Like you need a critical one mana removal spell. You have a good chance of finding it in this spot, right? Like this is a pretty real looking control finisher to me in like the classic Jeskai vein of control finishers too, where it's also a threat that's just going to end the game. And you're, you're going to steal some games on that, like turn seven, turn eight range, which you're very, very happy about. Yeah. Uh, Borborygmos and Fibblethip. I think being the two most ridiculously named characters. Yes, that is, instantly teams them up. Yeah, okay. So two G-U-R, six, five, legendary creature, Cyclops homunculus. Whenever this enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card, then you may discard any number of land cards. When you discard one or more cards this way, this deals twice that much damage to target creature. One you put this into its owner's library, third from the top. Huh. So 
immediate FTK effect potentially, which isn't that hard to trigger, uh, especially on the time this comes down, you may have some fodder lying around. It's not card negative because you've replaced it with a different card. Scales up pretty well. If you're just producing resources in the late game, you're very happy to dump like three cards into this and kill something big, which is cool. Can do it multiple times. Go ahead and put it third from the top and get that removal spell uh, again and again. It is, again, a weird card that I don't like immediately see a place for, but all the stats seem there to me. And I, I think it's another one that's probably worth building around in terms of like just big threat, kill something, and a lot of utility baked into it. Uh, it's it's ETB or attacks too. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, the, the only thing that I want to say about this card is slow Gurk. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting combo. Just to, you know, make sure that you have plenty of land fodder or whatever, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't I don't think that that's really a thing. Like, if you want to do the Slogurk legendary creature type of deck or whatever, it's like maybe you play one or two copies of this thing, but that's about it. I think this could just be a card in, like, a big mana deck, honestly. A deck that's happy to ramp, and this is a fine, uh, almost... Inferno Titan? Do I want to say Inferno Titan? I, I think I'm comfortable saying Inferno Titan here. Now, maybe Inferno nah. Titan is not a real card anymore. No, it's got well, that vibe yeah. to it. it. It's got that vibe to it. Like, it can certainly control opposing boards. And Clock Knight is not quite as quick, obviously, but it is a mana cheaper. Um, I expect it not to be as impactful as Inferno Titan, but I think it does have some notes of Titan present in it. I don't know. It's it's hard to discard like multiple lands, especially in a deck that is generally going to be mana hungry, right? Which is why I thought of Slogurk, but so I I don't know. It's I don't think it's quite as good as Inferno Titan. I think it's just like, yeah, you know, discard a land for a shock or whatever, like that seems pretty reasonable. We could do that, but anything past that, like that comes at a real cost. It does if you are cheating that cost though like you know lands are fairly achievable resources when you reach a late game state and often there's good ways to cycle lands and like i said i haven't done any deck building around this card um but that would be what i was looking to do is just find a little bit of recursiveness a little bit of value raw cards not caring about what they are and being able to filter them into removal spells is is pretty exciting yeah all right uh got our first battle Invasion of New Phyrexia, X, W, uh, what What do they call it? It's not loyalty, right? Like, what is the, the battle number? I, do, I don't know what the term is. Yeah, Damage. Six, six health. Six, six health, health on this battle. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it is a battle siege, and the reminder text is, as a siege enters, choose an opponent to protect it. You and others can attack it when it's defeated, exile it, then cast it transforms. So you're going to cast this. Uh, I like it is, it is still yours. You still own this. Yes. It's really interesting presumably, that it's not saying as a battle enters, right? It's saying as a siege enters. Yeah. That's a really big deal in terms of what yeah. these cards are going to do in the future. Right. Uh, so I, I imagine this is like, all right, I'm going to like, kind of like slide this over to your side, but it's still mine, you know? Yep. And then you'll be able to like point creatures at this when you attack much like a planeswalker and stuff. But 
Anyway, uh, six six health on this thing. When this enters the battlefield, create X, two two white and blue knight creature tokens with vigilance. Uh, worth noting that this is a mythic too. So, for for two mana, you could just like play this thing out, or you could also I don't know do this for like four and make four power worth of stuff. Um, it is interesting to me that like this is like pretty cheap, and maybe when you have an advantageous board position, you could just like play it on the cheap, kill a blocker and kill it immediately with like what you already have. Yep. Oh, I think the uh, scaling so, is really good too. Like uh, having just a, a pure X for two twos makes, means that in the late game, this is actually very, very powerful, right? Like being able to produce yeah. 10 power worth of stuff for seven mana, all, all those permutations look really, really nice. Yeah. So when it's defeated, exile it and cast a transform the backside is Teferi, Akosa of Zalfir, uh, Planeswalker with four starting loyalty, plus one, draw two cards, then discard two cards unless you discard a creature. Minus two, you get an emblem with Knights you control, get plus one, plus oh, and have Ward one. And minus three, tap X creatures you control. When you do, shuffle target non-land permanent and opponent controls with mana value X or less into its owner's library. Do you remember how I said that I felt these had potential to be snowbally. Listen, okay, so <laughs> when I said, like, hey man, the planeswalkers were more snowbally, well, yeah, when it transforms into a planeswalker, yeah, then, uh, <laughs> maybe we kind of got the same problem, right? We got the yeah. same problem. No, th- I mean, this card is snowbally as shit, right? Like, you just achieve this thing, opponent doesn't stop you from hitting with your. I mean, let's just take a very simple scenario where you play this for like five, and then your two twos go through and create a fairy, and then you can like immediately minus for your emblem and now they're three twos and they have ward and vigilance and they're tough to remove and this teferi is just sitting there and you can plus and get more cards and then at some point your opponent finds something to get him out of it and you go ahead and tap some creatures and you shuffle a target non-land per- i mean it's just doing a lot and once you achieve one side of this, it's very easy to start doing the other sides of it. So this this was the one that really stood out to me. It's a huge amount of snowball potential. I'm not yes. even saying like I think it's broken or great or anything, just like the play patterns on this card are very snowball-y. Yes. Also, also dude, good, draw two but... draw two discard a creature is is so much filtering. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting like, very that is deep a into lot. your deck quickly. Yeah. And then the minus three is certainly weird, um, but this thing, you know, creates creatures for you and they have vigilance, so you don't really mind tapping them all that much. It's just like, yeah, it, it, all of it seems pretty good. Agreed. Uh, no more like this, but it's worth noting that this is, it is a mythic for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and there's a lot of mythic battles in this oh, okay set, so okay that's not that's not great how about a rare one let's talk about a rare one okay invasion of alara i have not seen this one yet uh wooberg five mana total one of each color uh seven health when this enters the battlefield exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less you may uh, cast one of them huh keep going sorry Put one of them in your hand, then put the rest exiled, uh, rest of the exiled cards under your library in a random order. Um, So you kind of, you like cascade for two things, cast one, draw one. 
Yeah. Okay. What were you gonna say? I, I just think I just think that's a I like. I know this is a Uber card, so it has to be a lot. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of setups with this card where it's very easy to just do uh, very, very exciting things with it. The fact that you get to find two cards with mana value for less, choose the one you get immediate impact from. So there's really only one mana of downside attached to this. And then it immediately turns into something that you search your deck for. So there's upsides to that as well. There's ways to like cheat with this always. Anytime you're doing you know things off mana value, there's some shenanigans you can get up to. And then that all happens, and then there's an, still another portion of the card that we have to unpack after that. Seven health. Seven's a lot. I will yeah. say that. But backside, sorcery, uh, this thing is all colors. Target player draws two cards. You may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. Okay. Create a token copy of target permanent you control. Okay. <laughs> Distribute three plus one plus Jesus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures you control. That one's pretty tame. Destroy target permanent and opponent controls. Uh, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Um, at rare, so this is rare. one of the the lesser the lesser versions of this effect. Less complex, less to deal with. So you know, obviously, that's all good. Man, it's uh, just a lot, right? It's just a lot. Yeah. That's all you can say about it. Like again, I I don't know that this is like too powerful or anything that's not what i'm trying to say but it immediately replaces itself in your hand it immediately generates value then there's this thing just sitting there where like if you achieve it you go miles ahead in the game like there's so many effects on this thing yeah this seems worth building around i mean keep in mind the, the common war to play with so like there's other incentives for being Wolberg based right i well i was gonna say you know previous formats this would have been a prohibitive mana cost yeah, it's, it's not right now. No, we just have like so many treasures and incredible dual lands and even uh, various mana fixers that just like make all five colors and stuff. Like mm -hmm. this is this is not that hard. I don't know, man. A little scary. Killing it. Killing it's going to be the tough thing. You know, it can be. Can but be. yeah, you, you spend five mana, basically draw two cards and get maybe four mana's worth of stuff, you know, like maybe you flip two one drops or whatever, right? Like you, you can build your deck in such a way that you just don't. No, I, I know, I know, but you know, it, it does. If we're talking in the context of standard. Yeah. That is more difficult to do. Right. I, I, yeah. I think, I think the way I would want to build this deck is like a, a couple of interesting four drops, this commie war setup stuff, getting to that point, And then those cards should just be powerful enough where you're just like, shitting on your opponent that is, that is my theory um and i feel like the pieces must be out there somewhere and you can do things like you know you still get your fables and other various power cards in the format very easily right all right uh kogla and yadaro 2rrgg77 legendary creature ape dinosaur turtle when this enters the battlefield choose one it gains trample and haste until end of turn it fights target creature you don't control and then 2RG, discard this, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment, shuffle this into your library from your graveyard, then draw a card. Wow. That's that's generous, man. Yeah, like, just playing playing this is like a value disenchant. I, I've just, played Slice and Twain before, happily. Yeah. 
huh. and un- uncounterable too for yep. whatever that's worth uh, that's, that's worth quite a bit i think other than that like yeah six mana seven seven probably fight a thing but like you know don't sleep on trample haste either uh this is this is reasonable we haven't seen like a kind of like big mid-rangey like green sort of thing in quite some time but like this is a good thing for those no this this card seems quite strong to me it's so versatile uh and just being keyword big dummy uh it's exciting exciting ramp target all right inga and asika 2gu legendary creature human god 4-4 all creatures you control have vigilance and tap add one mana of any color spend this mana only to cast creature spells Whenever you cast a creature spell, if three or more mana from a creature was spent to cast it, draw a card. Pretty tame. Seems tame. The first thing that comes to mind is like elfish setups. Like, can you actually do heritage through a shenanigans and get somewhere with this card? But there's a lot of cards that let you do that, and none of them have panned out. The fact that this is a creature is good, but we, we've seen that before. It's not the first time, so... Uh, there was like beast something or other that did this very effectively. So, yep. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think this is pretty tame, not immediately jumping off the page, but there is combo potential here for sure. Yeah. It's not one of the cards that would necessarily like spawn an archetype. Like, Oh, I'm going to build around this. It's just like, okay, well maybe this is a card you play two of in an archetype that's like almost kind of there already yep yep a missing piece potentially yeah uh next up errant angiata one u dub two three legendary creature human angel flash flying you may look at the top card of your library anytime you may cast spells with flash or flying from the top of your library Mm, does this have enough enough stats baked into it to get you interested in it or is it coming up a, a little too short in terms of that two three body for you so I have dabbled with angels in uh, like Explorer and not much in, in Pioneer, but I get what's going on there. And I don't, I don't think we ever played it in Historic. I think it was just Explorer, but it's like, I, I'm pretty fil- familiar with like those decks and what they're trying to do. And for, for the most part, they're green, white, right? Like you play Collected Company. Yep. Uh, but, but splashing a third color is not impossible certainly now i mean i i think within the last six to eight months or whatever we've just got like a bunch of new dual lands too Mm -hmm. so if you wanted to play this you could and uh there were times when we had things like realm walker in the sideboard so like this this is almost certainly going to see their see play there but that is a fairly niche application yeah, I think if this was a 3-3, this actually spawns archetypes, like legitimate blue-white flash archetypes that are a little tempo-y and can do cool stuff. 2-3, um, though, just, eh, it's not getting it done for me. It feels like it comes up a little short. 2-3 is very small, and I'm not sure what cards actually exist with flash. I think... Uh, yeah, like, you know, Yuta's uh, card has flash i guess so like yeah. that's that's a start right if you yeah, want to do something like there. that but it's weird it's like you can't load up your deck with just flash things or flying things typically these decks also want some amount Spells. of interaction and but like i don't know maybe there's like a leyline binding type of thing yep. right where it's like yep. oh this is an interaction spell but it also has flash or whatever 
It's a very real card. All right, next up, Hidetsugu and Kyrie to UUB, 5-4, legendary creature, ogre, demon, dragon, flying. When this enters the battlefield, draw three, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Oh, I remember this card. When this dies, exile the top card of your library. Target opponent loses life equal to its mana value. If it's instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Yeah, we just play this with Aaron and Giada, and then we have access to the top of our deck. We know what it looks like. We play this off, get the flash, put some more stuff on top. Um, being a little facetious, I don't, I don't think that's particularly good, yes. but they, they, they do combine quite well together. So if you have a sack outlet in play that costs you know zero mana, you just like play this, put some ten mana spell on top of your deck. Hmm. Uh, that, that seems pretty powerful. I don't know what we can actually do with that, but I guess, huh? Yeah, maybe there's something there actually. Like it, it does set itself up, right? It doesn't really ask all that much for you. And if the spell is powerful no. enough, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is enough there actually. Enter the infinite. Yeah, and then what? <laughs> Profit. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all you gotta do figure it out from deck there. yourself two turns later yeah tight no i mean it, it is it is certainly powerful also i mean it, it like they just lose 10 life or whatever like that's pretty good too yeah yeah you might be so, able to find a way to get there from that point so yeah it doesn't doesn't have to be like a win the game necessarily it could just be like some random ultimatum uh that just domes your opponent and like gives you a bunch of value or something yeah in older formats, I don't think it would be hard to win the game from that point. It's just like your yeah. win condition being a five mana card that you also need to sacrifice outlet for probably is not good enough. But I, I do think it would be quite trivial to win the game from a lot of setups. Yeah, I mean, you do need the thing like in your hand. I'm thinking about like Academy Rector type stuff. It's just like, well, you know, you have Phyrexian Tower, you have Cabal Therapy, like these these things that are sacrifice outlets that are really not that difficult to pair alongside with this thing. But this is also like you do need to like actually draw the card at some point you do it is right like you get to, yeah you, get you do you can find thing. it if you if you brick though you know then yeah, you got a five four flyer worst things <laughs> yeah, have happened fine that'll be fine yeah. five four flyer you just drew a card what it'll sort itself out all right next up brawl and carry zev one you are two four legendary creature human should be it should be like human human yeah humans yeah, right. for, I think so. I mean, the other two are, it's not that you're, you have a fairy dwarf, it's that you have a fairy and a dwarf. Right. All right, first strike menace. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, you may cast a spell with lesser mana value that shares a card type with it from your hand without paying its mana cost. If you don't, create first mate Ragavan, a legendary 2-1 red monkey pirate creature token. It gains haste until end. Wow, Ragavan in standard. I didn't see it coming, but here we are. It's got to take over the format, right? Like, Ragavan's too good. That's what it everyone tells me. It is busted. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I also don't know. This is this is a weird card. It it feels like the stats don't quite line up. Maybe the Baral side of things, making the spell with a lesser mana value without paying its cost. Maybe that's, that's the thing we're supposed to be doing here, but that... I find that effect often asks for a lot of things to go right, and it's harder to line up than you would think, and you're just not getting the value many times. Yeah, it is for sure. I, th I think what you're supposed to be doing with this is like play Brawl and Gary Zev and like probe them and attack with Monkey, you know? Yeah. Like, 
Solid. More more likely, it's like you know four mana play this and consider or something and mm-hmm. get a monkey. So that's it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, just, I guess monkey not... sticks around too. That's nice. Yeah, you just trade trade off monkey Make as much monkey. possible or block with monkey and uh, it is it is each turn right. So mm-hmm. whatever it is. All right, Rankle and Torbrand. One BBRR three four legendary creature fairy dwarf flying first strike haste. Whenever this deals combat damage to a player or battle, choose any number. Each player creates a treasure. Each player sacks a creature. If a source would deal damage to a player or battle this turn, it deals that much damage plus two instead. Little combo with first strike. It is a little combo. I'm not very excited about this card. I don't think I, I don't think the output is there. Uh, it it kind of took two very awesome four drops and made them into what I think is a medium five drop. But I, I do say that with some hesitancy. Like you know, you you break those synergies. You have just a sacrifice a creature on a stick, and you don't really care about what you're sacrificing. This card does get very powerful very quickly, uh, giving each player a treasure token. You set your deck up to benefit more than most players, although that's hard. I think just like decks in general spend their mana very well these days, uh, yeah. it's hard not to benefit from that treasure token. And yeah, I guess like, you know, some Rakdos beatdown deck where you've played threats across your first four turns, and then this is your fifth turn Lord that comes down and gets that first strike hit in and all your other things deal an additional two. So maybe you pick up additional seven or eight damage that's really really good unfortunately i think like that's the absolute ceiling and i find the middle ground for this card to be somewhat unimpressive i agree with all that i really liked rankle at at four mana and this at five mana with just like an extra toughness like five mana three four is just just not great so pretty small yeah all right, next up, we have another battle. Invasion of Tolvata. Three B-dub, five uh, health, whatever. When this enters the battlefield, return target non-battle permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield. And then the backside is an enchantment. Uh, creature tokens you control get plus one plus zone, have lifelink. At the beginning of your end step, create a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying. I'd mostly want to ignore the backside. Yeah, Yeah. like that's kind of whatever. But return target non-battle permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield at five mana, that is pretty abusable. What's what's the big artifact that is uh, good right now? Gate to Phyrexia. Yeah, yep. That kind of setup is interesting. Like whenever you extend reanimation outside of just creatures, things can get a little iffy. We've seen that in the past with things like God Pharaoh's Gift. so this doing those type of shenanigans is pretty interesting. I guess like if you do this thing, you should find yourself in a position where you are able to go ahead and create the broken sky. But I don't think that's really the juice on this card for me. It's just like there's a pretty real spell here that is unique in its applications and the backside is just gravy. And that to me is kind of a disappointing use of this battle mechanic. Like I, I, this could just be a spell in my eyes and it doesn't need this stack onto it. And I, I'm not getting the excitement from combining these two pieces right now, which I don't love about this particular card. 
Yeah, it's it's weird where you're right where in constructed at least if you're playing this, it is probably to do unfair stuff. Like maybe it's not Gate to Phyrexia, maybe it's uh, Traxa or Sanctuary Warden. You know, something that's like a little bit more fair and is reasonably testable sure. or whatever. But even then, it's like, all right, I did the thing. I reanimated my thing. Like, do I want to deal this five damage or should I just attack my opponent? And it's like, it feels like you're supposed to be attacking your opponent <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. So kind of, kind of awkward as far as, uh, uh, making like good incentives or whatever. This one is maybe not doing it just because the backside is pretty weak, but like certainly if the game is about to get bogged down, then, uh, maybe you're going to want that enchantment, but it's, it's pretty low impact could also be a limited card too like i'll i'll give some leeway for that where it combines in a very interesting way with limited stuff and then it's totally fine but uh not one that i'm over the moon about quite yet uh do we want to talk about this glissa can i skip this glissa skip away my friend hell yeah uh what about our friend quintorius uh i mean I'm, i'm a big fan of elephants like i i think they're very cool noble smart creatures and i i looking for an elephant to embrace i certainly was a loxodon hierarch fan back in the day uh loxodon smiter another one that i really loved quintorius yeah, i i could live without him i think okay then we got some legendary things that we talked about already yep covered these uh ooh, what is this red white card that is in french and is a hoplite Hoplites historically have been quite good. Let's see what this one does. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of an ability from a backup. Do we know what backup is yet? I, I haven't seen that come across. My we haven't, we sure haven't talked about it yet. Okay. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of an ability from a backup, you may copy that ability. You can choose new targets for this copy. This ability only triggers once per turn. I do not know what a backup is, so I have no opinion on this. Uh, and this is an R dub two two vigilance. Yeah, I, sh- yes. I shouldn't have clicked on this. Okay. Um, let's let's find a backup card. It's like put a counter on it or something else, and then if it's something else, it gets the abilities. All right. Is this, is this in red? Oh wow! Uh, I just I just scrolled past the Reckling Warrior. We need to stop whatever. Yeah, we were dude. Doing. I almost. There were like a, a couple different spots I wanted to interrupt you and tell you about it. But like the thing with the raccoon stuff and you is that I know that like seven people have already sent it to you. So No, I, I think people have just given up on me at this point because I have typically seen every raccoon thing in the world. Uh, also, like, I think they know that like like magic doing it would not be the thing that would immediately like blow up my world because they've sort of dabbled in the past. Uh, so it's novelty is worn off, but we do have Scrappy Bruiser, and this guy just looks like a house. Uh, three colorless red creature, Raccoon Warrior. Whenever Scrappy Bruiser attacks, up to one target attacking creature, that's plus 2-0, and gains trample until end of turn. Return that creature to its owner's hand at end of combat. I mean, this seems like one of the most broken cards I've ever seen in my life. And it's a 3-4. Scrappy Bruiser. Yeah, 3-4. Scrappy Bruiser to the moon. Absolutely. And, and go ahead and read that flavor text. Uh, my flesh is an affront to existence. Come say that to my fist, you bloated rust bucket, says Coco, Riveteer's welder. <laughs> there you go. Scrappy bruiser. All right. Uh, backup, it looks like, is oh, basically right, on everything. Right. I haven't seen it on a blue card, maybe, but eh, whatever. Anyway, uh, so, so let's say a, a creature has backup one. Yeah. The 
Reminder text is when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. If that's another creature, it gains the following abilities until end of turn. And this card, for example, has like flying first strike lifelink. Oh, okay. Cool. That's a cool mechanic. Yeah. So like it, it also just works with like random text, not just like keywords. Cause like, yeah, the, I'm seeing like a, a sacrifice thing. ability on one of these red cards. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is weird. It is weird. And I guess if you back up the hoplite, the hoplite bounces that over to someone else. Okay. That's neat. I don't, I don't have anything to do with it yet. It should be no surprise as I just learned what backup does, but uh, I, I do like the backup ability. It seems very cool to me. Looking at all of these like incubate cards, looking for basically just another card that I can read. Incubate, another cool mechanic that I, I quite like. Again, very simple. Uh, just just doing a neat thing. Well, let's read Incubate, I guess. So Incubate has a number attached to it. Uh, and it's create an incubator token with two. So say it's Incubate 2. <laughs> create an incubator token with two plus one plus one counters on it. And two, transform this artifact. It transforms into a zero zero Phyrexian artifact creature. So it just starts as an egg that doesn't really do anything, but it's got those counters on it. And then you can pay some mana to wake it up permanently. Yeah, that's dope. It feels very Phyrexian to me, I'll say. Uh, like, cool, just like leaving gross Phyrexian eggs all over the place and uh, letting them come to fruition. I, I like this mechanic a lot. All right, what what card am I reading next? I read some uncommon battles. I ain't about them. Uh, we could talk Halo Forager if you'd like. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, you have other stuff you want to get to first? Uh, let's do this one. This is an uncommon battle. Sure. Invasion of Kaladesh. You are uh, four health. Whenever this enter or when this enters the battlefield, create a one-one colorless thopter creature token with flying. And then okay. the backside is Etherwing, Golden Scale flagship, a legendary artifact vehicle, star four. Flying, uh, this thing's power is equal to the number of artifacts you control and has crew one. So two mana, get a Thopter, yep. deal this thing four damage, get a pretty big vehicle. Yep. Yep. And then and then it just like it, yeah, you can see how it could kind of snowball or whatever, but like the payoff is completely reasonable. And yes, obviously this is lower rarity. Um, so maybe not as flashy or exciting or as busted as the rare ones, but this is the type of yeah, stuff not, that I do like. Yeah, not not as flashy, but like there's a lot to like about this card. It, it is quite cheap, right? So you're only investing two mana. If you turn your two mana into a six four seven four flying crew one vehicle, you've you've gotten a very good deal. Now, granted, it's not easy, and you are only getting an immediate payout of a one one colorless thopter token, but I've probably gotten less for two mana before. I mean, not much less, but that. That's that's probably in range of something I could live with if the rest of my deck was built to leverage these things. And the fact that like multiples of this, again, scale pretty well. Like you just make a few doctors, you have this evasive army that is willing to both complete your invasion of Kaladesh and crew up these ether wings and also count for their uh, power. It's cool. I could see a potential uh, standard deck around this card, I think. Yeah, I like this. All right, let's talk about Halo Forager. 1UB, 3-1. One, 
creature fairy rogue flying. When this enters the battlefield, you may pay X. When you do, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with mana value X from a graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Snapcaster at home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so this is any graveyard and this is not, you don't have to redo like the actual mana cost on things. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like you need like one UU to snap a brainstorm or whatever. But why? I guess like Snapcaster was in the flashback format, but I, I don't know. This this text seems more appealing to me than like the Snapcaster give flashback. So oh, so you're like, why not just do it this way in the first place? Yeah, kind of. I understand that. I think that's a, a fair question. And I think you answered it already as, as Snapcaster was in the flashback format. Maybe, uh, I guess, like, ETB give a thing flashback is just less words, too. So I'm always talking yeah. about, like, why is this two sentences when it could just be a keyword? Is there a home for, like, eight Snapcasters somewhere? We already have so many Snapcaster at, at homes in modern. Yeah. And Snapcaster itself doesn't really see play, so. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I always get more excited about these cards in, like, actual vintage not that anyone cares about vintage or really that i care about vintage but i feel like that's often where these effects are at their strongest because they do like the regrowth on your restrict spell things and getting more access to something uh like an ancestral recall is a very big deal however i have no clue how much play snapcaster sees in vintage right now i expect probably none would be my guess close to Uh, zero yeah And I don't think this really matters. But a cool effect to have standard, probably. 3-1 flying is a big deal, too. That's an evasive body, so. Yeah, 3 three mana for a 3-1, and then you're still, like, paying mana on top of it. Like, the the better a Snapcaster is, is generally determined by how much you have to pay on the front side. Yes. Yes, very true. So, compare this to, like, Arcane Proxy, right? I'd much rather Arcane Proxy than this thing. I agree with you. All right. Uh, we got so oh, hold on. We got this uh, red green thing here. All right. Uh, another uncommon battle. RG five health. When this enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Then you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And the backside is a Truga Cliff Charger creature rhino three four trample. Once enters the battlefield, you may discard a card if you do. Search your library for a land or battle. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Hmm. Again, like if you just look at what you get for two mana investment, if you get it, really big deal. Two mana to four mana, too. That's something that's harder and harder to do in standard. They've kind of taken that away while giving us many, many other things. Rampant growth has mostly died. Uh, And when we do get any way to do that, it is often a very big deal. Here is a way to do that with some potential upside. So I, I would take note of this card for sure. Yeah, I think this card's solid. Yep. Uh, what about the ooh colorless mythic battle? I haven't read this one. Do you think yeah, it's going to be good? Just in the dark. No, I think this All one's right. going to be bad. I, I think like as much as they want to push the boundaries, they know they can't make a colorless battle that is just completely off the rails. Oh, this is this is kind of spooky too. It's invasion of Ravnica, and it's five generic mana spooky that's that's the antithesis of ravnica man 
Mm-hmm. What does it mean? All right, four. You'll get there. Uh, four health. When this enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls that isn't exactly two colors. And then the backside is Guild Pact Paragon, Artifact Creature Construct 5-5. Five, five. Whenever you cast a spell that's exactly two colors, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a card that's exactly two colors from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library. And My faith was not misplaced. They understood what would happen if they yeah. made an absolutely bonkers colorless battle. And they've done a good job with this one. Although I will say, uh, in spots where like you are not capable of producing colored mana, having any removal spell that can actually do anything in a lot of spots like this this kills a lot of things that a colorless deck usually has a very hard time with that can be a very big deal i think the backside is somewhat flavor text but i will say again like it's still a five five body like even if you don't care about the abilities on there i do see spots where you have your thought not seer and it's just worth it to attack into this thing and make a five five in addition so uh i don't think this card is like unplayable i don't think it's worthless it's just smart in what it does because it should not be doing too much as a colorless battle yeah uh what about the last of the swords last sword which we actually declared early uh a couple months ago we we thought we had all 10 swords turns out we can't count and there was still one more sword to go so why don't you hit us with this one sword of once in future three mana artifact equipment equipped creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from blue and black Whenever a equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, surveil two, then you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value two or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into a graveyard exile instead, equip two. I, I just think like I, I have no, I, I don't think it's the abilities of these swords that are dictating play. I just think the idea of spending three mana on a sword and two mana to equip it is somewhat outdated. And for these cards to actually push past that, they would have to border on broken. I don't think this one is there. Like that ability is very strong, very good. The protection colors are very good. I'm just not sure any of that matters. I've just, I, the investment is so, so high here. And that's not the way magic works these days. Like your investment needs to be self-contained, isolated. Like if I can play a card that is both a removal spell and a giant creature in a few turns like why would i waste time trying to combine a sword with a another creature it's just fruitless play my adventure and and benefit from that play my uh you know any number of cards that represent multiple cards rather than trying to put two cards together and make it into something special because swords are tight swords are tight and i want to love them and i think that was shown in my review of the last sword which i was like yeah i, I gave the benefit of the doubt I don't think I want to give this one the benefit of the doubt. I, I just don't think swords work these days. So here's the thing. I don't think it's ever really worked. Uh, I can't, I, I, I can't think of a deck. In the case of sword and feast and famine, that is the one exception. No, 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 no. Check this out. Check, check out my explanation. I don't think there has ever been a deck where I was trying to put sword on a creature very fairly that did not involve some amount of the following. Uh, I'm playing it as a one-of in my deck as a tutor target for Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. Or my creature already has Hexproof, and that is all my deck does in the case of, like, Invisible Stalker, Geist of St. Traff, Sword of War and Peace. Sure, yep. I, like, that Delver deck 
at times had three copies of Sword and War, Sword of War and Peace. I don't think that that was necessarily the correct way to build it. Um, and then like the 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 Stoneforge deck had one Feast and Famine, and then later a War and Peace. A War and right? Peace, and then a battle. But I was never like, oh yeah, I got some creatures. I'm gonna jam four sort of Feast and Famines or whatever, or even like two or three. You know, it's like you just never did that. Man, I feel like there was a deck in that format that did. I- I'm not saying no. it was a good deck. People occasionally sideboarded like two sort of Fire and Ice or something if there was uh some like blue control deck or whatever and it's like okay yeah i guess that that kind of makes sense but at that point it's in the same vein as like oh this thing has hexproof but like there was literally never a deck that was even on the precipice of being good that was just like a three sword deck i do agree with you in the in it, as far as I can remember, like there's this, there's something nagging at my brain about like a red green deck in the Callblade era that played a bunch of swords, and I might it might be a fever dream. Honestly, it really might not be a thing that existed, and it certainly was not a very good deck because it existed in the Callblade era. Right, that's playing, what I was gonna say. I was like, Callblade. I said on the precipice of being good, it existed in the Callblade format, therefore yeah. it was not even close to being correct. Good. I, I can see that point. Um, yeah, I I think you make a good case for maybe swords being a bit overhyped and I expect this one probably go the same route. I do like the red green sword and have played with it. Some I've dabbled. Uh, it is definitely not what standard is about. And is like, those are definitely not the colors that you want protection from mm-hmm. uh, blue and black is a little bit better. It's closer, but this ability is more targeted at, uh, eternal formats, you know, even things like Pioneer, where it's like, okay, yeah, I could have like some some thought seasons or something that I wouldn't mind. Yeah, no, I, again, this that. does the same vintage thing where I'm like, oh, a Time Walk or an Ancestral Recall. Like, those, <laughs> those are the cards I really want to bring back with this. But please, please find me a vintage deck list from like the last ten years that had a sword in it and didn't also have like twenty creatures. I, I don't think I can do that. Oh wait, hold on. I might have played Sword of Fire and Ice in like some beatdown workshop deck at some point. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe, maybe. I, I feel like that was not good, but I might have done it. Metal Worker And also that would have been like... In Legacy, did they ever pick up a Sword of Fire and Ice? No, nah, because you didn't have Workshop. Yeah, but you had you had Metal Worker. You had a sideboard plan. Suit them up. I, dude, Metal Worker in Legacy is... That's a fool's errand. Uh, agreed. Never going to do that. Um, it might have been closer to 20 years ago than like 10 years ago, though. Okay. If that helps put things into perspective. Also, like yeah, I was... kind of does. We had Skull Clamp. Like I was, I was definitely Skull Clamping. As you should be. Yeah, I think I had a couple swords in there. Yeah, because there were like the Welder Mind Slaver decks. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, that's like I do. 2004. Wow, boomer talk. Yeah, exactly. Almost 20 years ago. How does that make you feel? Uh, I've, it makes me feel like I've maybe possibly squandered 20 years of my life. I understand. I understand that feeling entirely. But I don't know, man. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. It's like, oh, I just want to go back, you know? If only I could do that again. <laughs> 
If only time were not linear. Um, where else do we want to go? I, I feel like I just never want to talk about white cards. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I did see a white card cross my feed that actually dropped my jaw a little bit. And I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, this card. Surge of Salvation. You read this card? Maybe. Possibly. It is uh, It is dub, instant. You and permanents you control gain hexproof until end of turn. Prevent all damage that black and or red sources would deal to creatures you control this turn. Now, that is a very narrow card. I can see that point immediately. It's a very good However, hate card, though. A very, very good. Very good hate card. And it feels like it just does a bunch of things that actually are meaningful uh, in the game right now. You know, things like Invoke Despair come to mind and just just a bunch of like really, really impactful effects. Uh, you know, Dodging Sweepers, Brotherhood's End, uh, a premium sweeper, even like, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate to point this out as like an answer to Thoughtseize because that's pretty silly, but like there is a deck that is like Grief You, Thought sees you, furier things. Like all, all those things together mean that this card always accomplishes something and can actually impact the turn. So I, I think this is a very, very interesting sideboard card. And one that the first thing I actually thought of um, was was Veil of Summer, which is, again, draw a card, very, very different. Um, but anytime you invoke that card, which was very quickly banned in multiple formats, that's that's pretty exciting in terms of sideboard cards. Right, but again, the the whole draw card thing was uh, absolutely. the reason that it was banned. One hundred percent, one hundred. But this still this, made me think of that style of sideboard card. Yeah, this as uh brave the elements in the matchups that you mostly care about. Uh, when it doesn't have to all be white creatures, like that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there are things like brave the elements. Uh making it so they can't block or whatever, right? Like that, that's a huge deal, a decent amount of the time, but it's like, well, now you could just like put this in your like green white deck or whatever. And like, it's still going to be good. But uh, this for like Esper legends seems pretty nice. I agree with you. I I think it has, uh, you know, some usage there. I think it has usage in older formats just because of how many different things it can cover simultaneously. That's a really big deal when you get to very, very open formats, things like, you know, legacy and, this countering a tendrils of agony. Like I don't want to play it because it counters a tendrils of agony, but it does do that. Right. And it's doing that at the same time, it does 40 other things. And that starts to become something you can actually consider playing in certain metagames. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the tendrils decks always just like go over the top of something like this. They just don't really care. Probably like they'll account for it eventually. But, Again, if it's like low cost and you're able to do that and just add one more speed bump along the way that they have to now account for, sometimes it's just about having enough speed bumps as opposed to having the right speed bump. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, like Veil of Summer exists and... Or I guess, did it get banned in Legacy? No, it didn't. It's still there. It only got banned <sighs> in in Standard? Is that correct? Did it also get banned in Pioneer? Yeah, Must and it was have. like... Uh, historic and all that too. That uh, that's yeah. why I think it feels like a bunch of formats. But it's like, no, nah, I've I've even like played that card in Legacy like right. semi recently. So, but it's just like yeah, like that that card exists. It just means like you know, they they duress you, you you do your thing, and then they just have to say go. And it, it does give you another turn or whatever. But mm-hmm. you can't 
load up on these things and expect them to actually beat them because Correct. eventually they will just like do big pass in flames and like they could just empty the warrens a bunch or whatever like they, mm-hmm. they just have like so many different ways to kill you absolutely but yeah as, as far as like you know this protecting small creatures i like that a lot yeah i think just like invoke despair being one of the best cards in the format is is pretty noteworthy for sure yeah no that's definitely true uh i don't know all these other cards are like i'm a creature that has some text or whatever and i don't really care i'm just not not i'm too tired to like get into yeah, not, the minutia, not in the know? mood from that kind of input from creatures honestly like i need a little bit more from you you want you want to talk about ren and realm breaker we haven't discussed that oh yet. And yeah, yeah, yeah uh yeah, one gg four starting loyalty legendary planeswalker ren static ability of lands you control have tap add one mana of any color what, what was i saying earlier about the wooberg thing Wooberg like, action uh anyway plus one up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with vigilance, hexproof, and haste until your next turn. It's still a land. I kind of love that because it's just like, ah, oh, do I even want to like animate my land? It might die. Well, Because, yeah, you don't want to lose it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. Minus seven, you get an emblem with you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. What are we doing I, I with Ren Realmbreaker? I don't want to say it's it's busted or anything, but it's it's really good. Can we just we could just build around this card, right? Like it doesn't need a home. Again, it's something that you can just be like, oh, here's a threat value engine win condition for three mana, and that is yeah. that's enough. Like you don't really need to get more out of it than that. Right. You can play this in just like a normal like red green beatdown creature deck if you wanted to because it's a threat that is is not going to like die to a sweeper right it, it also you could just go like minus two minus two to draw two cards and then you're also just like threatening to have this end game it's also fixing your mana it just like does a ton of stuff you could see this showing up in like jun mid-range type of decks too sure. yeah. for a lot of the same reasons you could see potentially uh harder ish control decks playing this card uh the emblem is, is just pretty nice if you want to build towards that like eh, yeah card's good it just it just seems very mid-rangey capable of doing a lot of things i love the fact that you get these three three elementals with vigilance hexproof and haste so they're doing again a very mid-range-ish function right like they're pushing damage when it makes sense to you they can defend you okay you know they're there to pick off any two twos that might want to tangle with you or you can even trade your lands in linking scenarios you're very happy if you can find a good block that you're just trading a land that's net positive so yeah it, it, there's just like so many interactions packed into this one very very small card uh for a low low cost of three mana and we've seen three mana planeswalkers uh, some some have flopped recently quite frankly i think it's not the guarantee it once was um yeah. but this one seems good and you don't need to miss all that much to have a problem on your hands with a three mana planeswalker like if you get it just a little bit wrong it is a card that can absolutely warp your formats so interesting card to keep an eye on here yeah it's weird though because this isn't like a kind of oko situation where it has the capability of like you know none of your opponent's cards do anything and the scales out of control really quickly or whatever like this is fairly contained so I don't think this is ever just going to be like, oh, super busted three mana card. It's just like three mana card that you're very happy to play in a bunch of spots. I, I, I want to point something out, though. And I, 
honestly, I don't know how big of a deal this is yet. I'm still sort of wrapping my head around it, but it's very, very unique. And I think it's something that is not immediately intuitive about this card and something that right. I think is actually going to define its play pattern a lot. All right. You minus two this. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. You can get another copy of Ren and Realmbreaker that you sure. played earlier in the game. And that means you just like always have a Ren and Realmbreaker available no, no, to no. you. It, it has to be among the milled cards. The milled cards. Thank you. Okay. So it's yeah, not yeah. among so cards. So it can't be like, oh, the first one dies. Got you. Okay. Okay. That makes much more sense. Thank you. You could play the five mana thing to set it up. <laughs> you could, if you wanted to do that. That is an option. But but I guess that at that point you just you had another Ren in your hand already. So maybe you just... we are pretty confident though that this minus seven is just like good enough to win the game in most scenarios, right? Like it should pretty yeah, much be game I'm... over. Well, the thing is, it doesn't necessarily, you know, stop you from losing the game because maybe the stuff that is in your graveyard is not good enough. Like if your opponent has like a bunch of flyers or they're going to draw a lethal burn spell or something, right? Plus you have to still spend all the mana to cast those cards. You could just be behind in a lot of different ways. But it does, I mean, it gives you access to most of the cards in your graveyard. Everything, yeah. And in in this case, you actually can get your Ren back, right? Like that is the first thing you could do. Just go ahead and minus and play your Ren. I, I expect you'll have better priorities at that point, but you can do that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so, valuable in terms of like preserving your access to Wooberg. Like that could actually matter. Maybe. Yeah, you could be right about that. All right. I want to let me let me talk about uh, a couple black cards. Sure. We'll just we'll bounce around a little bit. Uh, Invasion of Innistrad. Another battle. 2BB. Uh, five health. Battle with Flash. Uh, so that that works with your Azorius, you know. Angel and whoever else card. Uh, when this enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn. So a four mana instant speed removal spell. Yeah, pretty hard removal spell too. Killing a lot of things that, you know, some removal spells cannot. Indestructibles, things like that. Yep. Uh, backside, Deluge of the Dead, Enchantment. When this enters the battlefield, create two, two, two black zombie creature tokens. 2B exile target creature from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, create a two, two zombie creature token so yeah four mana removal spell uh eventually just becomes this never-ending swarm of zombies a little bit of a clunker but like yeah this is the kind of card i I like this this is not as uh you know necessarily as oppressive as some of the not not like the first gen of planeswalkers but more of like the second wave Mm-hmm. You know, like the Jace the Mind Sculptor type stuff. Like, this isn't going to snowball as hard as that or anything. And it's just, like, pretty solid. Well, this card's just very unpredictable, right? I think that's where so much of its power comes from, is that any time there is, like, bodies out there, you are facing the threat of Deluge of the Dead. And, you know, the way that play pattern works, you have some number of threats. Your opponent sees it safe to attack. Maybe you have enough life to go ahead and absorb that attack. And you just eat it and they leave something back on defense because they don't want to take the counter swing. And then you just flash in this invasion of Innistrad at the end of your opponent's turn, untap all of your stuff, shove everything at them, uh, win this battle, flip over Deluge of the Dead, immediately get 
two, two, two blockers. So you're on defense right away. You have all of your mana available because you play this on your opponent's turn. So you can make more two, two blockers. They have immediate fodder in the thing you probably killed with your invasion of Innistrad that you can turn into a two, two zombie right away. So minimum, you probably got three blockers at this point. And then you have this engine ready to go from that point forward. That that should turn a lot of games around, I think. And yeah, it's solid. I'm, I'm not saying you like load your deck up with these and this is your main plan, but as like a one of removal spell, or maybe it is more than that, quite frankly, because this does seem so powerful. But certainly as a one of removal spell, this is going to steal a lot of games that you should have just been completely dead to rights in. And it's almost impossible to play around. It's such a nightmare for your opponent to plan around. It can shape their entire game forever basically if you want to play around it and that can often be worse than actually the card itself the threat of the card yeah i like this card well enough uh, another black card pile on 3b instant convoke destroy target creature or planeswalker surveil two. good little effect right there uh quite an upgrade from this effect that we've seen in the past i think and surveil two very real able to leverage that in a bunch of ways convoke very real cost reduction so yeah nice tool another card that expect again like we're getting into that space now where we have so much removal i I don't think you play four of these like that's not what this is but like adding one or two one or two of these to an average deck is going to improve it and that's the type of stage we're at now in standard i don't know i might play four of this in like mono black aggro i know that that deck has kind of died off a little bit and I mean, I honestly like maybe even the legend deck. Maybe you play some, uh, probably not four. Cause yeah, four four's tough. Four seems tough. I mean, it just is very expensive. And like when you're the aggressive deck, you would rather be attacking than convoking. Um, so it just feels like in a lot of instances you're going to prioritize the cheapest possible removal that doesn't take your creatures. But again, as like a one or two up, it's going to do things that other spells cannot do. And I think it'll be important for that. Yeah, I mean, like Conclave Tribunal saw a decent amount of play. Yep. And that was a deck full of one drops, right? They didn't necessarily go super wide with like tokens or anything. So they weren't really cheating on Convoke. And you rarely found a deck that had four of those because it was, it was still a little clunky. Yep. But that's because like that deck also was not interested in like casting it for three or four mana. Whereas I think the black mid range decks can kind of like get away with that yeah i'll also note when that card was cast it often felt like one of the most powerful things you could be doing so yeah and and also that was like at sorcery speed and everything Mm -hmm. you know uh and had the problem of it getting blown up and them getting their thing back whereas this just like kills it directly and you also get the surveil off a little bit of value sure uh i think that comparison is going to be made a lot and i i think that it's pretty far off the mark compared to, I don't know, just like the type of decks that this is going to slot in and the different upsides that this thing has. Like, this card strikes me as much, much better than the enchantment. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a high praise, I think, that that points well for this card's playability. Yeah. So I, I like that card. And then uh also have, like, a Stoke the Flames reprint. So yeah, that's badass. Dude, that really stood out to me, actually, uh, because there's other burn in Standard, and burn in Standard is not something you've been able to do effectively for quite a long period of time uh stoke the flames was a nightmare card to play against extremely extremely powerful lightning strike also in standard uh i think there's there's going to be more burn in the format than we're used to seeing and it's going to take play with fire too play with fire's non-zero yeah it absolutely is 
So yeah, uh, got got a lot of hits in this set. Feels uh, like it, yeah. I mean, certainly like a lot of other stuff that we could talk about. I think we should probably just save that for the next show. And sure. I don't know what how, how you feeling so far. Uh, I am feeling like I I like a lot of the PowerPoints here. The like flavor and vibe is a bit of a come down from the last few sets for me. Uh, just you know. Not not about the team up stuff. I think it is a little fan servicey and silly uh, most of the time. I, I mentioned my concerns about the battle mechanics, so I, I'm I'm lower on this set than I was at the same point for our last two releases. But that's okay. I'm I'm not naysaying this set. I think it's in a fine place. I think there's still a lot more to come. It's got a scrappy bruiser, so a lot of things going for this <laughs> set so far, and we'll we'll see where it ends up. Well, this set is weird too because it's it's basically like a future site kind of thing yeah a lot of just pulling in things from all over the multiverse and throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks yeah exactly so i i totally get where you're coming from uh i'm mostly looking at it from the perspective of are these cards like cool and interesting and do i want to talk about them and the answer to that is yes yeah yeah i think so i think it's succeeding on that axis i'm I'm mostly evaluating magic sets on vibes now which i know is a super useful thing for all of our <laughs> listeners very to... dude very scientific too yeah but but that that is game design right it's it is not exactly a science yeah vibes a little bit down here but still overall a nice looking set it's that's like personal vibes for you though but like the the vibes for the community at large, I don't know, maybe your feed looks different than my feed or whatever, but like people seem to be vibing with the team ups and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it's fan servicey, but like that exists because the fans actually do want it. It, de- it depends what portion of the fandom you're looking at. A-, a lot of fans do want that, and I am happy for them that they're getting it. And a lot of fans, I think, find it silly, but that's fine. Like, it- Serve some people, leave others behind. That's an entirely acceptable way to make a magic set. Well, okay. If, <laughs> is this like the fan service discourse era of the podcast? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. There's always a new era of the podcast. I, I think when you bring up the idea of fan service in anime, mm-hmm. I, would, I would poo-poo that quite a bit. Okay. Because... It's rooted in something very different than what we're talking about here. I agree. It's like the only thing that's really the same is like the word. But there are plenty of shows that I happen to like that contains fan service where I'm just like, could you please not? Or could could you release like the Walmart safe for work version of this or whatever? So I don't be embarrassed. I don't get embarrassed if I recommend this to a friend. I do not want my wife to judge me when she walks in the room and I'm watching anime. That's not useful for me. Like, yes, just, let's just skip it. So generally I think people look at fan service sort of wholesale, uh, and, and maybe you even in this context is like serving a, lower common denominator where it's just like look you could just not do this and like it would it would still be fine or whatever but in the case of fan service for doing team ups for this magic set it's it's not though because that's like the majority of the magic audience and i think that this is in relatively good taste so you you say like you know it's it's fan servicey or whatever and i'm just like no this is just like a net good thing this is like literally what people want which is where the term came from 
Um, except in regards to anime, it's like probably a thing that should not be there. And here, I just think like there's no reason not to do it. Yeah, but it's all like deus ex machina ish and doesn't make a lot of sense. And like you said, we're teaming up Fibblethip and Borborygmos because they both have ridiculous names to pronounce. Like, I don't know. It's still inherently silly, even if it's not as like lowbrow as something like anime fan service. And I think like this concept also extends to things like the Marvel Universe. Like I think the Marvel Universe has been panned more recently as being increasingly and increasingly fan servicey and feeling when things are fan servicey, they often also feel less genuine for whatever that means. And that is the vibe I get from this set. It feels less genuine, but in an era where there are literally Middle Earth and Street Fighter and a million other Fortnite yes. sets being released. Like it this is not as bad matter. as those. This no, it's is not. not as bad. It's not. And it is it is by far one of the least offensive uh aspects of fan service I've seen in the recent magic printings. I I just dislike all of them. Just because it's less bad doesn't make it not bad in my eyes. It's it's still a little silly to me. But I, yeah, I don't see, have I, to I be think, right about this. Like I'm willing to be completely in the minority and that's fine. And again, not an exact science, but um, I, I think that this is a thing that is fine and good to do. Obviously, if you are doing this every set, then yeah, maybe your product becomes just like a caricature or whatever. And I don't really like that, but I think dude, it's been 30 years like let them do some bullshit, you know, like if this is a thing that happens in like episode two or whatever, it's just like, all right, you're kind of just like selling out. You have, you have like nothing left in the tank, but I, I think that this is completely fine and good to do, especially like 30 years down the line. If they want to do this like 20 years in or something like that would have been completely fine too. It's just, they didn't know that they could. And now I think that they do. Oh, now they know they can do whatever they want. So all the rules are off. Yeah, like like Street Fighter cards and Transformers cards and or five card packs of a standard legal set. Uh, yeah, that too. I think that comes out pretty soon, doesn't it? That's after this set. That's aftermath, right? Isn't it the aftermath of the last set? No, it's aftermath of this one. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, I I will admit I could be wrong about this one. I thought it was aftermath of the. The Phyrexian set. Well, so the the Praetors are still here, and the Praetors are going ham in like all these other planes. Hmm. Right, and, and so I feel aftermath like aftermath is when they they bite it and don't matter anymore. Yeah. Okay. That that was my takeaway. Obviously, yeah, that you, could be wrong. You may be correct about this. I'm I'm saying this with a very low degree of confidence. It would also be weird if we were doing like previews for this set, and there's another set that comes out before this set. That would be very strange. Correct. So. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I think this is the eighth set for standard, and then there is also aftermath for a little bit. Yeah, and aftermath was of... an idea that ten years ago would have been the coolest thing in the world, and now it makes me roll my eyes. See, dude, I think you might just be jaded, but twenty years from now, when you're doing aftermath fab sets or whatever, <laughs> then I'll have to eat my words. Yeah. Who's, at least at least the there's sh- like 400 episodes of evidence to use against me. I'm really glad that I've laid that out for everyone in much the same way that Wizards did. So I, I will have these same things thrown in my face and I cannot wait. Well, it's it, you know how the internet works and I, just history in general. Just like, people forget shit, right? They're not even going to remember. 
I think people forget shit. TCG fans don't forget, man. They're, they're like elephants. They just do not let it go. And they will they will find that stuff and bring it up 100%. There will be like one person. Yeah. You know, but. But they get the retweets and then it starts rolling from there. And next thing you know, you, you've broken the reserve list. Well, yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I don't know, man. I feel like if you get to do fab for 20 years, you're probably pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, that would be a, that would be a nice run. Anyway, I think that's it for today. Maybe back, uh, you know, tomorrow for us, but in a, a few days for actual podcast release and everything. But this is cool, Brian. I'm I'm sad that you're sad or whatever, but just get on board, man. Get on board. I'm, with I'm the, only a quarter sad. I'm not. I'm not all the way sad. Don't worry. Well, I I know. I don't I don't think that you'd be like too beat up about it. Like dude, we've just been getting our asses kicked for the last three years or whatever. So Right. Yeah. So this is a very medium amount of sadness that I have to have about this product. Yeah, this is low amount and this is not gonna be the straw. No, no, we already had that and I'm still here. So what does it matter? You, you yeah. just keep piling like at this point I'm a folded corpse. Just keep throwing the straws on. Like really it doesn't matter. Still be over here decaying away. No big deal. Can't wait. Game, game, game. Good luck.